It's God who keeps you. But what about those who fall away? Let's talk about that next on Truth For Today. Can you really lose your salvation? So many people think you can. The question isn't, can you lose it? The question is, did you ever have it to begin with? And that's what we're focusing on here in the book of John, chapter 10, verses 26 and 27. Please join us as we continue our look at our mini-series called, Can a True Believer Ever Be Lost? It's all part of our big series out of the book of John. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, with today's broadcast of Truth For Today Now, once again, our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. I think the most common view is that these are saved people uh, and that they, uh, some say they will not say they just sinned, but they, they fell away, they apostated, they just abandoned the faith. And it's, this is a great falling away, not just a sin, but they just denied the faith. And so, so a believer could apostatize and uh, be ultimately lost. That would be the view that uh, many would hold that, hey, you can lose it. If you deny this Christ and uh, reject that you know him, uh, then you're lost. A view that I was taught in seminary that sounded good, and I believed it for years, taught it in this church, was the view that begins the passage in 511, that what their problem was is that they had become dull of hearing and they had ceased to grow in the Christian life. And when you come to 6.1, he's saying, leave the elementary doctrines and go on to maturity. And so that view says that what they're dealing with is immature believers that are not growing, that are not going on. And so, if they should fall away from Christian growth, if they should fall away from uh, being in the Word and uh, just Christian growth, uh, the cure for them, it's impossible to renew them again, for them to be saved again. What they need to do is repent, confess, pick up where they left off, where they quit growing, and Get back to the Christian life. Get back to Christian maturity. And uh, that seemed very logical to me as I first heard it. Then the third view is the view that what is said in verses 4 through 6, he never explicitly calls them believers. He simply says they were exposed to first century church, first century miracles, wonders, workings of the Holy Spirit, dynamic uh, witnesses of the gospel, and that they had been exposed and they'd heard such great things. And if they were to not receive that and to turn away from it, go back to temple, uh, go back to Judaism and publicly denounce Christ and publicly say the cross and the Christ are ashamed I'm staying with Judaism. I'm not going to follow this. I understand what they've said. 
I've been in meetings I can't explain. I've sensed and seen healings, miracles. I've seen the power of God on display. But I still, I, I don't want it. But I've been exposed in a great way. And uh, some of the arguments there is that the word enlightened literally was the word to learn. That they had learned the gospel from the church, from the early Jewish witnesses. They had tasted, but it didn't mean they had partaken. It was used of Christ on the cross. He tasted the vinegar. He didn't drink all of it. That they had tasted of things from another world. They had seen the Holy Spirit working in a congregational meeting. And they knew God was preaching through these preachers. They knew something divine was going on, and they came to a point in their life, I don't want it. I don't want it. I've seen it. I'm going back to my Judaism. I'm going back. I don't want it. And something that lends to the argument that these are phrases that describe people under the influence of the Holy Spirit, but not necessarily saved, is the word saved is not used of them. Uh, they're not said to be adopted here. They're not called sons. They're not called born again. He's just describing things you've been exposed to. Now watch how he illustrates it. Verse uh, 7 and 8. Watch this. Follow me. For the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to to those for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Now, here's what he's saying. I'm writing to many of you in this Jewish congregation that you've been exposed to the rain from heaven. You've been exposed to the Holy Spirit. You've been enlightened as to what we Jewish Christians believe. We've told you about Messiah. We've told you about his death, about his resurrection. You're informed. We've been informing you. We've been showing you the divine work of God in our midst. Now, God has been raining down on this congregation, and we don't know what's in the ground. The rain is coming and has fallen. Now let's see what's in the ground. Oh, how's one responding? Oh, I look down here. One is fruitful. One is producing a crop, and it receives a blessing from God. The soil, you remember the parable of the four soils? Only one bore any fruit. The other three began, but they didn't continue, and they never bore fruit. He's saying, there's some in this congregation, the rain has begun to produce a fruit in you. We can see it. You're saved. You've been changed. On the other hand, if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. This is divine judgment. The, the ground is yielding nothing but thorns and things fit for the fire. And this is not the language of blessing. It's the language of judgment. The baptism of fire, divine judgment. So he said, the same rain is yielding two things. With one ground, 
it's yielding thorns. With the other, it's yielding fruit. So, in God's church, when we preach the gospel, and the reign of the Spirit and the blessings of heaven rain on us, look around us. With some of you, it's bearing fruit. With others, all you've got right now is thorns and thistles. Same rain, different seed in the ground. People have grown up in church all their life. They can tell you the gospel backwards and forward. They can get sentimental if they started singing further along. But they're not saved. There's no fruit. They've only borne things for themselves. They don't have any of the products of heaven. Why? The soil has not been changed by the Spirit of God, but they know it all. They know amazing grace. Watch country music. Oh, they, all the, you know, once those guys get famous, they all make a, a country album about hymns while not knowing him. It's their culture. They grew up with roots that way. Not saved, just sentimental. I like to make a dollar off of grandma. Then he goes on. Watch verse 9. Are you there? Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, your case, who you been talking to? Well, I've been talking to a category of people that have witnessed the Spirit, have repented of some things, tasted the heavenly gift, seen the Holy Spirit work, and some of them are bearing thorns and thistles, and there's nothing being yielded. Now, I'm going to talk about your case. Who's your case? Well, we'll find out. Beloved, obviously the saved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. Wait, wait. There's something about some of you folks out there. You have better things than what I just described. Oh, I could be better than all this. Verse, watch, verse 10. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work. Oh, you've done work for God, right? And the love that you've shown. You mean, and God's poured his love out in their heart, and they're loving the saints and serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You know what? I'm talking to an audience. One audience, uh, you might be the thorns and thistle part. But I know there's some of you out there that I know are saved, and I'm persuaded there's better things I could say of you. Better things than even just being touched by the Spirit, being enlightened. No, you've gone on to love. You've gone on to work for God. You've gone on to serve God. You've gone on to do those things that come with being saved. It's a part of your salvation. You, I know, were not described as the soil that bore thorns and thistles. So I think what he's saying is that I'm describing those who were exposed, touched but never change. They wept through services. They may have even gone to the altar, but they never embraced Christ to be saved. And in time, they gave him up. 
I don't think it's as radical in our churches, but it was radical in first century Judaism. When they turned to Christ, it was radical. And to own him and then to go back, he says it will be impossible for you to ever be renewed if you give up Christ. If you go back to the temple, if you go back to Judaism, it will be impossible to be restored to a Christ you publicly disown. So I think he's talking about those that aren't saved. Well, uh, I just put in the notes, and I think I want to take about 10 minutes for Q&A, because you may have questions and you deserve to ask them. Uh, you must know that we know many people who profess to be saved uh, are not saved. Do you know that? They, they say, Lord, Lord, we know you, but they're not. They're on the roll. They're on the board. They may be sitting next to you, but their walk says they're not saved. And people ask me, well, uh, what about that person? I said, what about them? The greatest way I know they know God is they continue to walk with him. Well, what about they're out in sin now, or, or they did this sin? Well, you've got to know in the household of faith, we've had some big sinners. When, when you got King David writing your sacred hymn book, the music department fell into big sin, went to bed with the wrong woman and killed a man. Christians can't do that. Well, David did. Do you think he was saved? It doesn't matter what you think, honey. He was. Your vote won't determine it. God's, I wonder, has God ever said about you, you're a man after my own heart? Scary what Christians can do. Scary what Christians can do. Um, when I was at a Bible college, we, we were on the scuttlebutt, it seemed, of everything going on in the denomination. We knew every preacher that was falling into sin. It, because, it, I don't know, it just gathered. It, it, it came to the school. And, and I'm in my 20s, and these students are young. And this guy fell, and, uh, who might have been a district leader, and uh, he, oh, he's with another woman, or this is for that one and that. And I got scared. And one day I came home and I thought I was doing something noble when I told Carolyn, let's get out of the ministry. I'm scared. I want to get out of the ministry. She said, why? I said, I'm next. I'm next. I can't keep myself. I guess when you get saved, you aren't kept. And I'm scared. I, at least if I'm going to do it, I want to be out of the ministry. What a comfort that was to her. I don't mind failing you. I just don't want to bring any shame on Christ. So I'll get out. At least that would be honorable. When he sinned, he just was, broke his vows and broke the heart of his parents, his brothers and sisters, and his children. But at least he wasn't a pastor. And I was so scared. I said, I want to go see my dad. So he drove over. He said, what's going on? I said, I'm scared, Dad. When am I going to run off with somebody? He said, I don't know. You got any plans? <laughs> I said, well, I, I don't, but I'm scared. I'm weak. I'm young. God can never be bigger than hormones, can he? Sex is stronger than omnipotence. Just can't. As men can't keep our pants zipped. So we talk about the Holy Ghost. 
and a Pentecostal group, but nobody's keeping their pants zipped. I went out. I'm afraid of being in the ministry. I don't want to be the next scandal. I'm 25. And my dad got me in the bedroom. That's when he got serious. He usually got your spankings in the bedroom. We got in there, and he only had one eye. And he just kind of, you know, he had a way. Us boys, we're here, we know. He just, well, he didn't get all. He said, let's, let's read this, son. Now, fourth grade education, so you didn't read quick. Now, to him who is able to keep you. Now, 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 is that talking about you, son? No, Dad, you, I know that's God. Well, I just wanted to see if you knew it. You're over there at Bible college. I just wanted to see. <laughs> now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Now, I haven't even preached yet, and you're getting happy. Wait, let me read this verse. <laughs> to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Now that's Jude 24 and 25. And Lawrence did this. If I had called him that, he would have hit me. L.J. Howard, he just lifted his hand and he looked at me. He said, I ask you one question. Is he able? He said, is he able? And I'm I'm just listening. He said, if he's not, let's throw out the whole thing. We're preaching lies to people. Let's quit our lying. But I think heaven and earth is going to pass away before he does, breaks that promise. He said he can keep you, son. He's bigger than women. He's bigger than booze. He's bigger than temptation. He's bigger than anything the devil's got. He can keep his own. He can keep his own. And you think I'm telling you to go out here and burn up the town because we believe grace? No. What shall we sin that grace may abound? May it never be. How shall he who died to sin now practice sin? Apostates, Jude said in Jude 4, they will turn the grace of God into licentiousness to sin. You're a false teacher if you turn God's grace into an excuse to sin. How can you sin against him who bled for you? How can this keeping make you want to sin against him? All I can say, I, I think I can now say it running towards 70s. I have been young, and I am getting old, but he can keep you. He can keep you. He can keep you. He can keep you. And the church, praise the Lamb. Praise him. Thank you, Lord. You can keep. You can keep. You can keep. My heart is prone to wonder. I've had to pray a thousand times since that day. Revive my heart. I'm cold. I'm lukewarm. 
I feel semi-backslid in my heart, and I've sought him a thousand times. Warm my heart. Make me weep over a lost world. Deliver me from the lukewarmness that blows through the American church. We're a cold church in America. Cold, cold as ice. Cold as ice. Prayer meetings have died, and few preachers get to yell at you as much as I do. That's why I hang out here. The rest of them get nervous. Don't book me too much because I get to feel the fire of heaven that says, I want to know him. I want to be true to him. And I want to say, he can keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. He can keep it. And I'm not saying you've got to permit now to go out and say, if you read that, if you get it, I'm going to say you're unsaved and you've got false ears. You need an earwax job. You need your ears cleaned out, honey. Because this gospel will make you pursue holiness. It will pursue right. It will not give you a white glove over a dirty life. It will clean you from the inside out, make you walk right, talk right, live right. It's not a license to sin. No license to sin. Well, I, uh, I asked my children, I want you to sing after this service, because there might be a David that you're still hiding out. You've been sleeping with Bathsheba, and Nathan hasn't come to your house yet. Well, I'm here as God's Nathan. If you're in sin in this service, we're going to sing what I grew up on, coming home. You need to come home. You got to tell her it's over. The man of God's got my number. And I'm a sheep. I can sin. But, but the shepherd's got his crook around my neck. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Some of you teenagers, you think this sex-crazed era of America, you think that's normal for a believer? You're in sin? Let me tell you, you might be going to hell. You can't name Christ and remain in sin. Let him who names the name of Christ depart from sin. For the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. 2 Timothy 2.19. He knows who's his. I want us to sing, and we're going to sing forever, backslider in this place. And what I mean by backslider, I think you might be saved, but I think you might have wandered away. I don't think you lost it, and you'll hear the voice of the shepherd. And I hope you will respond like I did as an unsaved teenage boy on the third row at 15th and Cutty. At least let your emotions be stirred that God loves you so much. He would say, though you've sinned, and though you've chosen the idols of this world, I'm begging you, come home. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, he writes, Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these, he says, these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And at the end of the day, that's what our series through the book of John is all about, that you would believe, that you would have life in his name. You have questions? We might have some answers. If not, we definitely have access to the one who does through prayer. We'd love to hear from you. Please. 
feel free to get in touch with us. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, maybe you'd like to listen to today's program again or obtain the entire series, well, feel free to get a hold of us at 855-833-9864. Again, that's a toll-free call, 855-833-9864. Otherwise, you can visit our website, valleybible.org. We have resource materials available there, books, as well as information about who we are and what we believe. If you'd like to join us for worship at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, our service time and location and directions can all be found again at valleybible.org. Or if you wish to speak with someone again, call 855-833-9864. Now, if you are writing to us, especially if you are planning to be a TFT sustainer, supporting the ministry financially as you're being blessed day by day here from Truth For Today, well, you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Now, as a TFT sustainer, we'd like to remind you that no gift is too small, no gift is too large. And as you partner with us, please remember that your tax-deductible donation all goes back into the ministry, 100%. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, our annual special gift, and access to Take a Break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional. Plus, also the benefit of knowing that this ministry will continue here on KFAX Monday through Friday as well as Sunday. So contact us today, 855-833-9864 or valleybible.org. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard 